Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. He's hurdled past one. He's got past another in the last minute of this game. In goes smashing Oh, and he won't get past that challenge. Well, you just don't do this. He runs at people. The pace is frightening. But the finish is unbelievable. Hello, I'm Steve Gillett, and this is the Somebody Stop the Sausage Dog podcast, the first ever podcast by Playmaker Stats, which will focus on the stories and stats from across the top four tiers of English football. Although I'm sure our chat will probably meander further afield. Uh, Before I introduce today's guests, I should probably address the sausage dog in the room and explain where that unusual podcast name has come from. Um, It actually comes from well outside the top four tiers uh, during uh, my non-league, very undistinguished non-league playing career um, in tier seven when I was playing for Dorking and we had a midfielder, a player manager uh, who'd been a first division pro who must have been in his 40s, and his legs were shot. But basically in one game that we were unusually winning, 4-0, he slalomed past three or four uh, members of the opposition with one of them, I think I think it was Abingdon Town, uh, one of them basically crying out, will somebody please stop the effing sausage dog? And the podcast was born 20 years later, Um not sure if anyone will like the name, but at least we had to explain it before we get going. Um, anyway, introducing my guests uh, with me today are Playmaker's own Alex and Rick. Welcome to the podcast, lads. Hello. All right. Hello. Hi. Um, Rick, I wanted to quickly mention, like, I've done my little intro there on the uh, podcast name. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did, it was quite hard coming up with one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we, we had some uh, terrible ideas, initially. <laughs> yeah. Even worse than somebody stopped the sausage dog. I thought I that had a Martin yeah. cast Podison, which I thought was pretty good, but it's hard to say. That was a, it was definitely number two. I felt on the list, <laughs> far ahead of Pod Wallace, <laughs> which was I think the worst, the scrape in the barrel. Um, Alex, you've actually done a podcast before, if I remember rightly. You did the football betting one. Um, yes. What are your memories yeah. of that? Uh, yeah, it was all right. Um, trying to be as concise as possible because I can tend to ramble. So I'll apologise in advance of that. Mate, don't <laughs> worry. We uh, we did a pilot last week, a little practice session, and it went on for about an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> so we will hopefully trim that down this week. Um, we didn't actually finish that. We just stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just gave up. It was like, this is never going to end. Um but the idea is, just to give everyone some background, um, we're each week going to focus um, primarily, I think, at the beginning of the podcast on the EFL um, 
And the idea is for us to, between the three of us or whoever's on the show, to run through um, a seven-a-side team of the top performers from across the Championship, League One and League Two, and to hopefully kind of give a bit of background as to why we've chosen them and give some stats regarding um, how well they've performed. Um, we'll then move on to some other sections later in the show, but we can introduce those as we go. So, if we get cracking, um, I was going to start off naturally for our seven-a-side team with the goalkeepers. Uh, and Rick, could you could you let me know who uh, who your choice was for your EFL goalkeeper of the week? Yeah, I've gone for Swansea City's Andy Fisher from uh, their one more draw with uh, Rotherham. Okay. Um, so Andy uh, had the most saves out of all the goalkeepers in the AFL with seven in total. Um, about two or three of those were like great saves as well. Ogmeni um, probably could have had a hat trick if he had scored um, two of those. One of them was like a overhead kick pretty much from like almost point blank range. I was doing the motion then and I realised you can't see me do it. Um, <laughs> we can picture but, uh, it. Yeah, he had a great game and in fact, the Rotherham keeper in that game, Victor Johansson, also had a really, really good game. So if, so if you're like a goalkeeper watching, you'll enjoy that one. Yeah. I mean, it sounded as if like Rotherham more than held their own against the team who quite a lot of people are fancying to do well in the championship this year. Yeah. They, they did the classic uh, throw-in goal as well, like a Stoke City of your... I saw it. It was a header, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, did you see the goal from Darling? Yes, fantastic goal. Yeah, it's an amazing strike. Um, a, there's a really uh, there's a few great uh, goals from centre backs this weekend. Okay, yeah. Who else are you thinking? There was the Leighton Orient player whose name I have just forgotten. <laughs> okay, the one who came to mind for me was a midfielder actually, but Blackburn, Lewis Travis. Did you see that strike? Brilliant strike, that. Lovely, wasn't it? And in his mm. first game as captain, I think. Ball swerved. Oh, it was a dream, wasn't it? I don't think he scores many. Defensive midfielder, isn't he? So yeah. more of a, obviously not fortunate, but it's probably not going to be a common occurrence. Yeah, well, if he can pull that out every week, then uh, yeah, he's on to a good thing. Um, right, so Fisher, sorry, I'll get him out of the way. That's one. <laughs> who who was yours, Alex? Uh, I went for Huddersfield's Lee Nichols. Okay, good. He's got some, uh, some good numbers. Yeah, well, Fisher had the most saves, but Nichols had six of him, uh, himself, uh, including one in first half off Burnley's Connor Roberts, which it bounced just in front of him. And you could say he just made himself big at hitting, but it looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, he bit of a weird one as well, because he's come from being a bit of a League One journeyman rotation keeper, and now he's one at the best in the Championship, and they've kept hold of him. He was linked with Wolves over the summer. As well, so and because Huddersfield might be a bit uh, different this season without Corbran, it's good to see that he's still maintaining a very good level. Well, yeah. after one game, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's it. He finished. I mean, he made our uh, playmaker championship team of the season last season, and mm-hmm. it does look like they might need him a little more uh, this yeah. season. Um, what did you make of Burnley whilst we were on the subject of that game? Um, surprisingly quick how quickly they've got uh, surprised at how mm. quickly 
they've adapted. I know it's a very intense season and they're playing a very intense style, so it mm. could drift. But this first month, they could be outstanding to watch, which I wouldn't usually say about Burnley. Any... Yeah, you wouldn't, would you? I mean, that's it. I mean, I, I saw the highlights, but how different was their style of play compared to you know what everyone's accustomed to and how it was under Sean Dyke? Well, similarly direct, but not indirect as in long balls. It was direct as in they would play vertically and mm-hmm. try and get people running in behind. And like Josh Cullen and Josh Brownhill in particular were they ran the game really. Uh, probably one nil flattered Huddersfield as well. It was very very impressive and quite surprisingly impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So those are our two goalkeepers. Um, is either are either of you willing to kind of seed ground on this one? And who would we want to vote in? Do you think as our uh, our number one for the first podcast? Well, I am willing to seed because I had also written Fisher down, so I'm happy to have him in. Perfect. I'm, I'm happy to take the first win. <laughs> okay, Rick's got the win. Uh, <laughs> off we go. So Fisher's in as GK. Okay, now, who would like to introduce their two defenders from the first match week? Uh, I'll go for it. So I've gone for Charlie Cresswell, um, teenager on loan from Leeds, who uh, scored a brace on his debut, which, you know, for a centre-back, <laughs> that's not bad. Uh, yeah. Millwall's 2-0 win. Um, I was actually trying to look if I could find any player who had done the same, a defender, to to make a debut with a brace. Yeah, but that would be interesting. I've managed to get through the Premier League and there was none. And I was like, I've not got all day. Yeah, right. Exactly. The There's only so the much year, prep but... you can do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as well as goals, three interceptions, two successful tackles and seven aerial duels. It's not, not a bad debut. Not bad at all. Um, strong my... start from Millwall. Yeah, really good strong start. And my other choice was Richard Nati over at Salford City. Yeah. So he was um, a trialist for them just over a week ago, I think. And he got a bit of a buzz about his performance and got a one-year deal, put straight into the first team and had a really good debut against Mansfield where he was on loan, I think, the end of last year. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah. sort of, they kept a clean sheet. He had three tackles, three interceptions, nine clearances. It's, uh, it's, it's a pretty good stat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Salford... I've been waiting for them to kind of get promotion over the past two seasons and they kind of, they always seem to edge to, or hang around the playoffs and then not make it. Um, mm. I mean, looking, did you see any of the game or just the highlights? Just the highlights. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I guess you wouldn't watch the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have the time. Have, yeah, exactly. Um, but that's a bit of a statement win, I guess is what I'm trying to say, isn't it? First game of the mm. season against a team who are obviously... Um, they only fell at the last hurdle in the playoffs last season. Yeah, it's a really good start. Yeah. Um, going back to your Millwall uh, Cresswell selection, um, I did actually see both goals. And Millwall, I mean, everyone knows that they're kind of defensively quite solid, but they're, they're a real handful on corners and dead balls, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe they'll take the uh, Huddersfield mantle of last year as the uh, set-peat specialist. Uh, okay, right. Yeah, what's the stat? Well, Huddersfield were pretty much the most the most deadly. It was all, I think it was, yeah. It was all sub for Thomas's delivery, wasn't it? That's and now right. I, I don't think they'll be able to replicate it quite as much this year, although it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good choices. Cresswell and Nati. 
Um, over to you, Alex. Um, concern about the pronunciation of this one. It's either Jamilu or Jamilu Collins at Cardiff, I Nigerian didn't... international they signed from Paderborn this summer. Yeah. Um, he had seven interceptions in the match, which was the most in the championship. I think it might be the most in the EFL as well, with only one tackle, which would suggest to me very good awareness as rather than just being reactionary. Um, last season, the I think the top of the interceptions list was Sean Hutchinson and Millwall, yeah. 2.7 a game. Uh, obviously, Collins is unlikely to maintain seven per game, but it's a very good start. And um, my other defender is, full disclosure... I'm a Bolton fan, but I promise this is on merit. It's uh, <laughs> Connor Bradley on loan from Liverpool at Bolton. Um, they, sh- they drew 1-1 with Ipswich at the weekend and Bradley it was outstanding. Uh, only Paul Digby in League One had more uh, tackles and interceptions combined than Bradley. And he's an attacking fullback as well. So if you've got those defensive numbers and you're going to be good going forward, I think it's a very good signing for Bolton. Yeah, I mean, what, what was his delivery like? Well, Bolton weren't great in terms of <laughs> from open play, so right. didn't really get to see much of him going forward. There's a couple of decoy runs that were lovely, but mm. can't really quantify that. Um, uh, he just looked sharper and quicker than a lot of players on the pitch. And coming from Liverpool, where he played quite a few times in the first team last season, um, yeah, it's very promising for Bolton. Okay. No, great shouts, all of them, actually. Um, and I wanted to pick up briefly on that point you made about the, the low tackle stats for Collins mm. at Cardiff. Mm. It's really true. Like, there are certain defenders, I remember from last season, Lloyd Kelly was one of them, and I think Van Dyke might be another, who have these, like, you'd expect possibly because they're, particularly like Van Dyke being a very dominant defender, you'd expect him to have high tackle winning yeah. stats but it's actually the opposite because of he, he, his positioning and his awareness and his speed actually mean that he doesn't make that many tackles it's a bit of a cliche but Paolo Maldini said that if uh, you're making a tackle then you've made a mistake Ooh, love it. so that's probably from an Italian defender the Collins category <laughs> yeah right yeah. okay um okay well they're great shouts um I guess maybe the easiest way to settle it is I'll give you Maybe one apiece, if you were going to choose one from your pair of defenders for this this week's team, who would they be? I'm going to, I'm going to put Cresswell forward. Okay. Dream debut. Yeah, dream debut. Okay. So Cresswell's in. And what about for you, Al? I'll go Bradley to mix up the leagues, and that's the only reason. Nothing that's... to do with the fact <laughs> Very good point, mate. Very good. Nicely done. Um, okay. Moving on to the midfielders, um, Alex, I think you may actually have mentioned one of them already, because I, I know you um, thought Cullen had a good game. He did. He was very, very good. Again, he used to play for Bolton, so I've seen a bit of him. <laughs> yeah. wasn't as wasn't uh, as suited to a Phil Parkinson style as he might be to a company style of play. Okay. Uh, but he was getting forward quite a lot for Burnley, but uh, 96.3% pass accuracy. Um, only one player in the championship to complete 90 minutes had a better pass accuracy than that, and that was Kyle Norton at Swansea, um, with the majority of Nortons being safer passes as well. True. There was 
the aforementioned save from Nichols on Connor Roberts was, I think, from a Josh Cullen dinked through ball, which was just very, very nice. Um, and that through ball, he had the most through balls in the entire league as well, um, which was an exact, and that was an example of that. Yeah, outstanding um, stats. My, yeah. Pardon? Outstanding stats. And the funny thing with that game actually is like maybe I know a lot of people were quite excited about Twine, and he he actually didn't start the game, yeah. did he? No, he didn't. Came off the bench and um, had a free kick. He's one of those that will have been built up by a lot of people, and then it's come on the telly and mm-hmm. uh, just put it, it, it hit the post from the free kick. But it could have been a bit of a dream start. He, he is unbelievable, he, isn't he? From set pieces, yeah. He'll click it. He'll click into gear. He'll suit that style of play. They've got Luton this weekend and at Tough Moor, so I don't know whether he might come into the team for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, okay, so Cullen's one of them, and uh, who's your other one? The other one uh, didn't start the match. It was Joe Ward at Peterborough. Um, came off, came on at half time with Jack Marriott when Posh were two 0 down at Cheltenham. Mm. Um, got a goal and an assist. Uh, yes, you yeah, know, yeah, got an assist, <laughs> and, didn't he? I think Mar- yeah. so. Marriott came on and scored, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, so he didn't score. Yeah, I'm mistake. Yeah. I knew the Yeah, apologies. That's right. Got and an then- assist. Yeah, uh, but had more key passes than any other player in League One, and Oof. he was only he only played forty five minutes. Okay. Um, Game changer. Mm, yeah, only uh, yeah. Mm. So I think that's it. I think they were um, they were two yeah, they were two down, weren't they? Yeah, they were two 0 down at half time. They brought on uh, Ward and Marriott and won the game three two. Clark Harris scored a brace. Yeah, and Ward was instrumental to that, and both. Subjectively and objectively, uh, yeah, exactly. Made a proper impact. Um, how about you, Rich? Yep. So I've got uh, Josh Scone at um, Wickham. So he, well, he scored a brilliant goal. I'm not sure if you saw that where he uh, hits. I think yeah. it's on a half volley it was from a just ping, outside the wasn't area. it? Yeah. Mm. And he's not exactly a prolific player. So if he just does that every now and then, that'd be fine. Um, but he also put in three key passes. He got an assist. And I think it was a proper assist, not, not a fluky assist. Oh, um, yeah. God, they wind me up. Two interceptions, five clearances, uh, three tackles from his defensive side of his shift. So it's a proper all-around midfield performance from him. And then I also included Jean-Michel Seri. I hope I said that right. Okay. Um, Sounded good to me. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, he had a great debut for Hull. Um, a bit of a coup for him. To, for a bit of a coup for Hull to get him. Um, he did score the winner, and it was a bit lucky. Massive deflection on it, but you've got to, you know, the cliche. you got to, yeah, hit it. Well, Frank Lampard's good enough for them, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. If It's good enough for Lampard. Um, but he also had 87.8% passing accuracy, and he also had the most key passes out of anyone in the EFL over the first weekend with seven. So it wasn't just his... You know, stoppage time winner. It was a fantastic midfield performances all around. Yeah, I actually I did see the highlights of that one. It seemed a bit of a tough pill for Bristol City to swallow. Oh yeah, because they had their moments. It looked like they were properly pushing to actually win it themselves, and then obviously that deflected strike it was from a fair way away, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, but a good win, a good win for Hull. Um, and Wickham, what do, what do we think of Wickham? Um, like they obviously, what was it? Playoffs last season. They, Gareth Ainsworth's been overachieving there. It looks like for 
well, he's been there for a long time. But do we see them challenging again at the top of League One this season? I Either think of you? playoffs again. So yeah, you think they'll be strong? Yeah, I, th- I think so. They they were they were really good the first first weekend. Yeah, good goal. Like the other um, was it Mometi? Lovely mm. goal. That was a great goal, wasn't it? Slamming through, yeah. properly tenacious, wasn't he? Out on the left, great strike. Um, okay, so we'll do the same thing. Um, if you guys are going to choose one of your two midfielders, who would you go for, Alex? Um, I'll go for Josh Cullen. And very quickly, sorry, the Joe Ward start that I'm yeah. angled. A second ago, <laughs> it was yeah. only only Sean McConville had more key passes in League One than Joe Ward, and he'd only played half the match. Okay, great stat and a great name drop for Sean McConville, who we'll probably speak yeah. about a bit more during the coming weeks because the guy is a key pass and assist machine, isn't he? Mm, he is. Um, all right, Colin in. Uh, and Rick, what are you going for? Scowen or Seri? Scowen. Because, you know, that one goal was, was a real goal. <laughs> it wasn't a fluke. It was a proper goal, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a net bulger. You really hit it, yeah. Um, okay, right, moving on. We're doing all right here. So far, we've got five. We've got Fisher in goal, Cresswell and Bradley at the back, and Cullen and Scowen in midfield. Um, Rick, take it away with your forwards, mate. So I think the obvious choice is Danny Johnson. So I put him in. I mean, a hat-trick on his debut for Walsall against Hartlepool. Um, I think he only had four shots in target the entire game. The first one led to the first goal because it hit it at the keeper. Does really well to immediately catch it and put it in the back of the net. And then second goal, smashed it from just out, just inside kind of the 18-yard line. And the third goal was just like bundling in from close range. So like a really good... Mixed hat trick. Um, that I was looking at his uh, who scored profile, and you know it does the strengths and weaknesses. Mm. And who scored gives him gives him four weaknesses. Okay, um, that's quite a few actually. Cool. When I, when you look, normally yeah. people have one or two, not four. Usually, I think they're, they're quite positive, but for yeah. Danny Johnson, they're really quite harsh. Okay, so they say his weaknesses are holding onto the ball, aerial duels, passing, and defensive contribution. He's Strengths. only got one positive, yeah, go. which is finishing. And there you go. That's all you need. <laughs> that is all you need, literally. Goals pay the rent. <laughs> exactly. Um, fair play. Okay. And who was your other one? Uh, I have gone for Johnson Clark Harris at Peterborough. Um, so, yeah, as we, we already talked about the game, they were 2 0 down. And I, I think he's, he's in for a really great season because he, he managed, I think, 12 goals last season for Peterborough, which was a Peterborough team. Not doing that well in the championship, but he managed about just over a quarter of all of their league goals. The season before that, when Peterborough were in League One, he scored thirty-one. He scored two, uh, yeah, two in the first weekend. I think he could be on for another like big, big season. Yeah, I actually I liked the um, he scored the equaliser, didn't he? Because there was two down. Mm. Um, who was it against again? Do you remember? It was Cheltenham. Cheltenham, right, that's it, exactly. At the completely Suzuki Stadium. That's right, yeah, I know. <laughs> Love it. New, a new uh, stadium name. Um, and then Marriott scored, didn't he, for 2-1? And then I like the equaliser because it's one of those ones that lifts the little stanchion, the one on the floor. Yes. It, like lifts it off the ground, you know, like literally like moves the net. Um, great strike. Yeah, really strong strike, that. 
Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, I mean, Peterborough don't look like they're going to struggle for goals this season, do they? Um, okay, um, nice one. Moving on to you, Alex. Well, this will probably this will be the first position where you you might have to pick one because I've also gone for Johnson. So I presume he's going to make the team. Yeah, um, he was the only one... guy to score an EFL hat trick at this weekend, right? Yes, yeah. he was yeah. first League Two opening day hat trick in four years. Whoa, good knowledge. Do we know who um, the last one was? I think it was Michael Dowerty. That's right for Swindon. Great yeah. knowledge. Yeah, and then uh, anyway, middle forward is Brandon Thomas Asante for Salford. We mentioned their win the other day, uh, uh, the win the other day a couple mm. of minutes ago. Um, he was all over the place in a very good sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at the weekend, he got a goal and an assist. No player in League Two had more completed dribbles than him, and he had two key passes in the game as well. So it was an all-round very good attacking display. That's great. He He's definitely he seems he seems like the kind of guy who um, things happen, whether yes. they're good or bad. Like he he obviously scored a fair few for Salford last season, but I remember he picked up a couple of couple of red cards as well, didn't he? Yeah, it's sort of a cliche because he's because to say about players in League Two, but a bit more consistency. Eh? Mm-hmm. He's a very good player, but obviously he won't be in League Two if they have that. Exactly, but still he, young talent, though, right? Talent wise, mm. very good player and a very good start for Salford. Yeah. Okay, so we'll put Johnson in. I think that's a given, isn't it? If you get a, a hat trick mm-hmm. on the opening weekend. Uh, and so then it's a shootout between Thomas Asante and Clark Harris. Two double-barrelled names. Um, who feels most strongly about their pick? I'm happy to concede this one. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> conceded. So JCH so is on the bench <laughs> and Brandon Thomas Asante goes in. All right. Uh, I think that's a pretty strong seven. We'll quickly mm. run through it from one to seven. We've got uh, Fisher, Andy Fisher, Charlie Cresswell, um, Connor Bradley, Josh Cullen, another Josh, uh, Scowan. Then we've got Danny Johnson, Hattrick Hero, and Brandon Thomas Asante. Very good. There it is. The first uh, Somebody Stop the Sausage Dog EFL 7. <laughs> this is catchy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to now move from the EFL to a preview of the Premier League. Um, and I thought I would just throw a few questions at you guys. Um, obviously, the Premier League kicks off on Friday uh, with Palace hosting Arsenal. And, I mean, it does look to be uh, shaping up to be a, a really interesting season. Um, quite a lot of kind of big names coming in. Um, a lot of money being spent as usual. Uh, and I thought we'd start there with you, Alex, and um, the ex- the transfers that are kind of excited you the most this summer in the Premier League? Um, So I've picked three out. Um, Usually I'd like to look at a team, because then obviously you don't know how that player's going to function in a team, it's more holistic thing. But three players that I really like that have signed Mm. are Brendan Aronson at Leeds, Yves Basuma at Tottenham, which is a more obvious one, Mm. and Keen Lewis Potter for Brentford. The Lewis Potter one's a bit more of um, an unknown, but He's a good player and Brentford don't tend to miss Mm. in terms of recruitment. Yeah, he's quite exciting, isn't he? I mean, 
Mm. He plays it. He'll play a little, a little bit off Ivan Tony. Do you think? Well, yeah, but also he played at wing back for a bit at Hull last year. Uh, they have got Henry and Hickey now, so they might not get much at wing back. But he can definitely slot into that two behind Tony with Embuemo, especially now Ericsson's left. But they're also linked with Damsgaard. So again, it might not if he can get in the team and stay in the team uh, and contribute. It's potentially it's an exciting signing, but there's no certainties about him. The last Hull player to sign for a London Premier League club mm. did quite well in Jared Bowen. Yes. Um, but yeah, he's a versatile player and should suit Brentford's style. Definitely. Good shout. I mean, what do we think? Do you think Bazuma is going to take anyone's spot in that, you know, the Tottenham team from last season? Well, he's um, obviously, but who do you think it's going to be? So one of the only midfielders to have a better pass completion than Bazuma last season was Hoybier. Yeah. And Hoybier is the one that I would suspect would come out because Ben Tanko was excellent in the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. But you have to play Basuma. I think he's injured for this weekend. Saw something yesterday that it might be a doubt. So that might not ease Conte's headache in terms of that. But he's really, really good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to overcomplicate it. He's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I guess it's about options and squad strength and everything now, isn't it? Um, Conte's building building a proper squad there, isn't he? He is. uh, Well... A lot of injuries. They're not. Prob- they're probably not done in the window. Mm. Got a very good side, a lot of depth. But, but on Suma, uh four point eight tackles, interceptions per game last season. It's the best of any midfielder. Uh, but also, as I said, that pass completion rate. So it's not just breaking up the play. He can use it as well. He's a very good, very talented midfielder. Yeah, I mean, have you seen much of moving on to Aronson? Had you heard much about him before? Uh, yes, but not loads. Mm. The Salzburg Bayern Champions League round the 16th first leg, when Salzburg drew 1-1 and they probably should have won the game, and Aronson looked like a Bayern player. He was sharp, neat, tidy, very quick, direct, um, and then they went and lost 7-0 in the second leg. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, but he's he, he's weird one because he'll go he'll go to the World Cup with the US. But they've got Pulisic and Reiner and Musa in similar positions, but and that's a good collection of players. But I think Aronson's now nailing himself down for a starting eleven, which I know the US can be derided, but they've got a good group coming through. And if he's one of the leaders of it, I think it shows his quality. And nearly thirty million pounds as well. Um, you know, it, it's a jump Austria to England, but he's shown in the Champions League that the getting Salzburg through the round of 16 as well. I think they're not out severe in the group stages. Lille, who else was it? Wolfsburg, I think. And they got to the round of 16. Out of that, they're three, te- they're three teams from major European leagues and he was key in their run. So, yeah, very, very exciting. And the way Jesse Marsh's leads are likely to play and all Bielsa's side, it became a bit of a cliche to say how entertaining and attacking they were. But I think Marsh is going to take that to another level. Maybe not in terms of quality, but in terms of gung holeness. Okay, good word, good word. Um, Rick, I mean, we've obviously got like Haaland and Dar- they were three great names to pick out, but Haaland and Darwin um, for Liverpool and City, are, you know, maybe individually the biggest uh, summer signings, and they've got a buzz around them. 
Um, but which teams, apart from maybe apart from City and Liverpool, do you think have done the best business? Would Spurs be one? Yeah, Spurs. Spurs are definitely one. I think Conte. You can kind of trust him to build a squad that will work exactly to how he wants them to work, or else. Um, I think the same with Arsenal have really impressed. I think Arteta and Edu, between them, they seem to both have a plan. And obviously, uh, Gabriel Jesus looks brilliant in preseason. I think seven goals and in five preseason games. And you've got Sinchenko, Fabio Vieira was excellent at Porto, uh, Marquinhos as well, that's quite promising. But I think the one team I'm most intrigued by is uh, Nottingham Forest. Mm. Um, they've done a lot of business. Got- don't know a lot of business. Well, I guess they had a lot of loans, loan players last season, so they've had to. Um, but I mean, they got Dean Henderson on loan, who's who I think will automatically become one of the best keepers in the league. Agree with you. Um, Nico Williams is fascinating. Omar Richardson, the two from Huddersfield, they signed what three Bundesliga players who all look yeah. potentially very exciting. Yeah. Jesse Lingard, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, a, really he's potentially a gamble, but if he gets the West Ham form. It would uh, definitely be definitely be a good signing, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think with Steve Cooper at the helm, I think they can get all those parts and mesh them into a proper team. Maybe not immediately. Maybe it'll take a couple of weeks. Um, but I think that they should, with their with the ambition they've they've shown, be able to stay up. Yeah, good point, um, Alex. I wanted to quickly touch. You mentioned uh, Bazuma, obviously, in your transfers, um, but you've got a pretty hefty prediction that you've made this week in regard to who you think's gonna, who you think will win the Premier League. Um, could you give us a bit of info on that? Uh, yes, uh, Tottenham Hotspur will win the Premier League this season. <laughs> Mate, said with such conviction. <laughs> um, Just trying to save people some time, that's all. Yeah. Don't have to watch it now. Yeah, exactly. Just put your bet on at whatever they are. I, don't, I haven't seen the bookies' odds. Fourteens. On some 14s, all right, <laughs> money to be made. Um, yeah. but go on then, like, what do you think? I mean, when Conte was appointed, um, I remember he was linked with United, um, Manchester United, um, United. I remember Gary Neville saying that he wasn't a United manager, um, and even like for Spurs fans, it felt a little bit like they knew they were getting a good manager, but. But I'm guessing if your prediction is they're going to win the league, I mean, you think he's going to take them to a whole new level this season? Yeah, the squad's good, but without Conte, I wouldn't. See, it is likely that City and Liverpool win the league, yeah. but that's only inertia, really. You just yeah. there's something telling me that Tottenham this season they're going to be very good. They're going to be much better than they were last season. I just think there's a couple of things at Liverpool and City little bit of transfer window upheaval that it's there's a gap that could open up for Tottenham. Uh, but like I say, without Conte, I wouldn't even think of it like that. But the squad's really good. And it, the Neville comment on, I think it's more of a stereotype about Conte and not the fact that necessarily he's Italian, but the style of football may be perceived as defensive, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. More direct, it's perhaps less sophisticated. But they have set patterns of play that, when work. repeated, and <laughs> yeah. repeat, they work. And they score. They could score five, six, maybe the five, six of the same goal in a mm-hmm. game, but they could do it. They Everton for five, they Arsenal for three, mm-hmm. they Norwich for five on the last day of the season. They're just 
it's really efficient and smart and well drilled and um and good content. to watch. It is good to watch, isn't it? They are it's exhilarating in a mm. way, just because it's very intense and it's direct but not long ball direct. It's a bit like a different level, but a mm-hmm. bit like the company Burnley last week. Yeah, yeah. There was I can style see that. play that where it was vertical and it was exciting. And I feel the same way about Tottenham and they've got a manager that can make people good defenders from average wingers or average central midfielders. So he's just a very talented coach. He's combustible, might not last mm-hmm. very yeah. long. But <laughs> for this season, especially when they've got the break in between, so he can be intense for half a season, regroup, and then be intense again for another half a season with the World Cup break. Um, yeah, oh, and also stats. Mm. So City won the title last two seasons. They, they dropped 21 points last season. And 47% of those points came in their opening 10 matches. The year before, they dropped 17 points. And 60%, no, they didn't. They dropped 28 <laughs> points. Yeah. And 17, uh, 60% of those points were dropped in their opening 12 matches. So right. they, when they drop points, they drop them in the, 10, the first 10 to 12 games. And then it's intermittent throughout the rest of the season. If Conte and Spurs hit the ground running and take advantage of that and potentially get into the World Cup on top, mm-hmm. then, yeah, the prediction looks less daft. Definitely. No, very, very good points. Um, I mean, over to you, Rick, into, on another subject, but in terms of who, who do you think from kind of the, the lesser lights, who do you think is going to overperform this season in the Premier League? Um, I, I think Aston Villa will be pushing to do a West Ham-esque season where maybe for a long a long portion of the season they're like up in the top six and perhaps towards the end it might peter down. But I, I mean, they've had a really exciting summer. Um, obviously, they've got Coutinho on a permanent deal now. Um, they brought in Augustinson from Sevilla and then probably more excitingly, Diego Carlos. Mm. Uh, they got Camara as well, who's who seemed to be courted by a bunch of big clubs. Um, and that's kind of to go with already, like they have a really good core midfield with, you know, Ramsey, um, and Louise as well. Um, yeah, they've got some good really, players. What do got, we think, what really do we think about them up top? That's what I saw. I look at them and I think Ollie Watkins is definitely a solid Premier League centre forward. Um, mm. Ings has obviously scored quite a few goals over recent seasons, but do we think they've got that kind of twenty goal a season? Do we think Watkins and Ings can be banging in twenty goals for Villa this season? Perhaps not, but Leon Bailey. I don't want to get too carried away. He's looked really mm. good in preseason. He was excellent, excellent against United in the preseason tour. Um, I think I'm not sure if Cameron Arch will stay, but there's still like a lot of hope on him. Mm-hmm. And they did also bring in Neil Critchley. From Blackpool as the assistant. Yes, correct. Well, I think that could be a shrewd, maybe the most shrewd signing of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and last one, very quickly, lads. If you were going to tip uh, teams for the drop, um, maybe one team apiece who you think, despite whatever they do in the transfer market or whatever, you think are kind of nailed on to go down this season, who who would you pick? I'd go with Southampton. Uh, if I was to pick one, okay. um, I think 
Haas and Hussle's style of management might have a shelf life mm-hmm. in terms of being t- potentially too intense. And their transfer business this summer hasn't. It's good in the fact that they've clearly got a plan and they're sticking to it, which is better than a lot of clubs. Mm-hmm. But I'm not necessarily sure they've brought in enough quality and mm-hmm. experience uh, on that. They signings have six signings with a combined total of 256 top flight appearances and only 56 of those appearances have come in top five European leagues and they're all under under a certain age by Matthias Liss, who's yeah. a 25-year-old goalkeeper, likely to be competing with Bazunu. And 104 of those appearances are him playing in the Turkish Super League and Polish top flight. So, and he might not be their starting goalkeeper. I, I, it's just a little bit concerning, especially when there was rumours earlier in the summer about Romeo, and there's always rumours about Walker Peters, and they've struggled for any sort of reliable striker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd have concerns about them, and they have the have a habit mm. of being hammered when they get down. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Hammered. Sometimes they do get walloped. Yeah, um, so how- I don't know whether if they on a jet more grander scheme, if they get behind in the league season, whether they just fold like that and rather than just inside 90 minutes with, over the course of 38 games as well. Okay, yeah. Um, Rick, how about you if you just pick one? Uh, it would have been Southampton, so I'll go for Everton instead. Um, Ooh, again, what? As in to struggle or to go down? Maybe go down. I, I think it would be a similar... Similar to last season as to where they are in the table, is like a, a will-they-won't-they situation. But it's strange, isn't it? Because don't you feel a little bit like confidence should be quite high, as in they, they survived the drop last season. They had quite mm-hmm. an inspiring kind of scrape with the relegation that they survived. Lampard's up in the stands hugging everyone. It felt a little bit like the beginning of something. But you're yeah. right. like It does feel like they're kind of going to be back at square one this season. Yeah, they, they they bought in the two guys from Burnley. It's Tarkovsky and McNeil. Mm-hmm. I think Tarkovsky would probably have a good season, but McNeil doesn't excite me that much. And they got uh, Ruben Benagra from Sporting, who was terrible last season, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, should so add there. Sure should end that you're help. a bit of a Sporting follower, aren't you? Yes. So yeah, he just couldn't get in the team. <laughs> and when he was in the team, he wasn't very good. So um, he got absolutely I'm not sure destroyed, how that didn't he? In the Champions League, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anthony at Ajax, I remember. Yeah, Anthony. Yeah. Um, Okay, Um, and maybe just to finish up on the Premier League preview, because I'm aware of time, um, I just wondered if you were going to pick out maybe one young player who you potentially are expecting uh, to kind of explode onto the scene. Should have prepared you for that one, shouldn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was going to throw out Cole Palmer as one I'm... I'm really interested to see if he can actually sort of follow the the Foden pathway and go mm. from being like, you know, training with them to getting a few games to maybe this season getting, you know, a, a proper bit of first team action. What do you guys think uh, well, of him? You've seen much of if him. If they're not signing a winger as well, another mm. attacker and they've lost a couple, yeah, uh, he probably will have more game time, you'd like to think as well. Yeah, he does make it from the bits I've seen of him. He makes... A lot of things look easy. Mm. Scoring being one of them, which uh, is a quite a good sign, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was his goal against Swindon in the FA Cup third round last season. It's a lovely goal. Um, it's very, it's a, it's, it looked like an established Man City player. 
okay. scoring it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely one to watch. I mean, anyone else who comes to mind? I think uh, Garnacho might play a lot this season because I've noticed uh, United just seems to not be signing any more forwards. Yeah. And there's no guarantee about the fitness of like Martial, who's already injured for the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashford has been iffy with his fitness. So I think he will have to play eventually. And every time I've looked, I've seen him, he's looked electric. So it could okay. be his his breakout year, his Yanazai year, but hopefully with a longer shelf time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, I should we should we haven't mentioned United at all really up until now. Um, what do you? I mean, Rick, I know you you're you're a fan. Um, mm-hmm. What what do you? How do you compare how you feel t- at the beginning of this season towards how you felt at the beginning of last season? Last season, I got sucked in by <laughs> by the hope. That maybe, maybe United won't win the league, and in retrospect, that sounds foolish. But <laughs> I was convinced at the time because it just seemed everything was like coming into place, but it just all collapsed. Um, so I think if if Ten Hag gets his team playing the way he wants them to play, and everyone is at the level they should be, and there's no bizarre things happening, I think top four is a is a possibility. Yeah. Um, I think that might be a little bit hopeful, but you've got to remain optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I think, Laz, what we're going to do is, well, I think we'll finish up there. Um, We've had the EFL um, sevens. We've had a little preview of the Premier League. What I was going to do is just basically uh, finish with a little prediction, uh, one game per league across the 92, uh, and then we can revisit it at the start of the next podcast and see whether or not you were were correct uh, in what you were thinking. Um, the first game was uh, in the Premier League, Newcastle versus Forest. Um, what do you guys make of that one? Um, I think it'll be an entertaining game, because I can imagine Forest being front foot near the promoted side, and I expect New- Newcastle to be quite strong this season, um, especially at home, which they were in the second half last season under Eddie Howe. Uh, 2-2. I'm going to go if you want a Oof, going for a scoreline. Score if you want a score prediction, love it. Okay, two two, and Rick, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to go two one. I'm going to think. I think what's going to happen is Nottingham Forest are going to take the lead. It's <laughs> like they're going to win, and then just at the end, the the big money Newcastle will ruin the day, and <laughs> it'll be like like remember when Wigan played Chelsea? Was it like when Wigan's first season at the top? Mm. It'll be like that, <laughs> mate. It's a great tip, honestly. If that, if that comes true, you're going to get people coming to you for yeah gambling tips. You call that <laughs> um, West Brom versus? Oh, actually, I should come in on that one. I fancy. I think it's a hard one. I think Alex, good shot. I was going draw, but because we've got we've got a Newcastle win, a draw. I do fancy <laughs> Forest to start well, so I'll go for a Forest win. Okay, um, Championship uh, West Brom versus Watford. Um, I'd go one nil Watford, another low scoring game. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Bruce is a manager that will get some results, but I don't back that much on West Brom. I think the squad's good, not mm-hmm. Sean Bruce. And <laughs> at the opposite end of the spectrum, I really like Rob Edwards, and he's got a really good squad. So I think mm-hmm. Watford will win that. Okay, Rick, what are you saying? I'm just going to go with the poor the opposite and say one nil West Brom. Just for like some a really ugly match that no one enjoys and somehow they scrape their way through. Yeah, I'm gonna go more with you on that one. Um I understand that kind of like Bruce isn't most isn't the most kind of exciting manager in the world. 
But I think at home, with a couple, a little bit of a buzz with the new signings, both of both who obviously um, played and did well in their first game, um, mm-hmm. Jed Wallace and John Swift. So yeah, I think I'll go for a West Brom win, two uh, one is my shout. Uh, into the third tier and MK Dons versus Sheffield Wednesday. Rick, what do you say? What do you think of that one? Uh, I think Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I think MK Dons. They didn't start start off well, and I I think they were not going to be the team they were. Obviously, they've lost some players as they were last season. So I'm going to go Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. Would you dispute that, Alex? Uh, no, I would dispute that. I think MK will be end up being good, mm. but Liam Manning switched formation last week to okay. back four, and I just think that uh, it might take him a little bit of time, especially with the players gone. So I think Sheffield Wednesday two one. Okay, and I think I'll go Wednesday as well, um, just because MK, MK Don seem to, or there's always that team who get a little bit of a kind of um, hangover after a kind of when they go so close to getting promoted. Um, and potentially MK Dons are still suffering a little bit from uh, missing out on promotion last season. So, yeah, I'll go Sheffield Wednesday for that. And then our League 2 game, uh, I chose Swindon versus Salford. Um, Alex, what do you think? Um, I think Salford will win, and I think they could win 2-0 again, like last week. Uh, worried a little bit about Swindon, not keen on quite a bit of the business they've done. Mm. Uh, what, what bits mainly have stood out well losing several players to Charlton mm-hmm. with the manager isn't helpful yep. uh, personally because they've had to replace going forward I, again I'm a Bolton fan yeah. I'm not sure on Ronan Darcy at EFL level okay. and they spent money on him yeah. and uh, there's obviously rumours about McCurdy as well there's not there's nobody that I look down and think on the list of players they've signed I think hmm mm. That's a very good sign of that improved level. Maybe well. Angus McDonald, yeah. but apart from that... Yeah. The rumours are that McCurdy might be on the move. I saw something on Twitter, that was all. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Rumours, rumours. Um, yes. And Rick, what would you say? I agree completely with Alex, I think. 2-0, exactly. Yeah, I think Salford will, will win again. Okay. Unanimous verdict. I'll go for 2-0 for that one as well, for Salford. So we're all back in Salford. Um, so yeah, just, uh, all that's left is for me to say thank you very much, Alex and Rick for your time today and, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend's football and we'll be back next week for hopefully episode two of somebody stop the sausage dog. Hope you enjoyed it. He's got past another in the last minute of this game. In goes Flashing. Oh, and he won't get past that challenge. Well, you just don't do this. He runs at people. The pace is frightening. But the finish is unbelievable. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.